I suppose if I had to sum up the perspective shift, it was kind of an ego death. I'm not really up on what that means in a psychological sense and I don't really care. What I'm talking about was reaching the ultimate conclusion that everything is unfolding just as it would. And it's my false egotistic sense of being somehow individuated or apart from versus a part of and that circumstances should serve me or that I should have been spared or I should be privileged rather than purely living in this stream of unified existence. I'm unable to really do anything beyond strive to master this imperfect meat suit and surf in this hormone soup. You know, interestingly enough, it was the final steps of incorporating childhood trauma that led to something like accepting the nature of being as it is and no longer living obsessed with what was out of my control. Fundamentally, it was my runaway ego, wounded as he is, proud as he is. He needed to be checked. What I ended up doing anyway was letting go, you know. I pursue what I knew intuitively to be useful. I went to where I would find myself. I pursued the places that I thought would allow me to grow. And that which didn't serve this becoming would in time just fall away. And the next step in all this was to accept truly accept my humility, my imperfection, my tendency to vice, my cowardice, and to say, I'll never exist without those. There is no perfect Patrick. And yet, I operate as if I can become him. You know, I do find that if I humble myself to the point of acceptance, while also disciplining myself, to become master of this ego, to become a careful pilot of this meat suit, a craftsman, you know, of what I have directly and nothing more. When I do that, then the universe sings to me and it sings through me. So really I had to stop being me only and transition to being me with or me for such a load came off such a load came off I can hardly believe it and being who I am is really all I can do it's not hard it's not easy it just simply is hello and welcome this is self-control how to build a better life the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you want to live, the life that you deserve to live. And this is the last in a four-part series about addressing the problems of a wounded or unhealthy ego. This is about how to form a partnership with your ego, getting you on the road to self-discipline, authenticity, emotional maturity, and healthy relationships.
So in the last episode, we talked about that middle step, that second step of beginning to check your ego, become conscious of your ego-driven behavior and how it's not serving you. And from there, beginning to set goals to start breaking down those harmful behaviors, to actually get your ego to work with you. You know, I, I said you could sick your ego on these new goals instead of being so focused on the past. That middle step anyway is about taking mindful control of your body and your behavior. So if you're just jumping in on this one, by all means, check it out. But I, I would love to have you check out the episode from August 2nd, where we gave a full overview of this process. The following episode from August 4th, my birthday, we talked about step number one, that awareness, becoming aware and be understanding the problems of ego. And then most recently, that second step was in the episode from August 6th. Today, I'm going to tell you the last part of my story. Talk about what that step into acceptance looked like, into a place where the ego, as often as possible, as best as I can, the ego takes a back seat to my behavior and my decisions. And I'm going to give you six ways in which you can practice this acceptance in your daily life, specifically in your relationships and how you manage your emotions. So last episode, we talked about how the ego strives to keep us safe. And it does that in large part by focusing on negative information that could be harmful. But in the wake of, let's say, trauma or loss or some pain that you've suffered and we've all suffered, that ego desperately desires to have control in the present and in the future. And a lot of the ways it does that, as we now know, is to keep us in a fixed position, have us stay put, steer us away from challenges, put up defenses, and in a sense, not allow us to fully grow, not to progress, not to be authentically who we are. And you see a lot of problems, myself included, of course, that's why I'm here talking about them, that arises from this unhealthy or wounded ego. You know, it could be emotional outbursts, it could be mood swings. As I said, living inauthentically, putting up a, a front, right? Putting up an identity that's not who you really are, you know, being a tough guy, being a people pleaser. Oftentimes addiction can arise from a wounded ego. And really, as I said, it's a lack of growth or progress in your life if we're not willing to address these issues. So please definitely check out the past two or three episodes to get a sense of what you can actually do today to start to get a, a handle on these problems of ego, how to become aware and then how to start working on them. A big part of that, of course, is journaling, goal setting and tracking your goals and moving to a place of putting the ego to work for you. You know, I do think that at this point, if you wanted to really slow down and just focus on those first two steps for months, you certainly could. And that's probably what it would take. But that final step, it's really worth talking about it. To me, it's been the first step in a spiritual journey. And it's taken me to a place of peace, acceptance and hopefulness. And I hope that, you know, if I can explain this well enough, that it can, it can get you on the road that way as well. And I can't tell you what to believe about spirituality. I can't tell you what to believe about God. I can't even make you believe that any of that stuff exists. So I better just finish off my story. So I mentioned the traumatic experience I had as a, as a young child with a birth defect that required surgical intervention and a lot of pain that arose from that, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of mistrust, a lot of um, confusion about the way the world works to suddenly have to experience this kind of pain uh, in my body. And as I said, there was a number of ways that, that then manifested in my life. I was I was shy, I was reclusive, I withdrew socially later in life. 
I used overeating. Overeating, I often say, was kind of my first drug. Food was my first drug. And from there, marijuana, pornography. Uh, I wasn't opposed to drinking a fair bit as well. Putting up that victim identity and also uh, believing that I was somehow screwed over by the world, that the world was painful and that I needed to uh, keep myself in myself and not bring my full authentic self to bear on the world. But, you know, for whatever reason... In the face of all that, in some small way, I still, I still did pursue what I found to be meaningful, you know, and I often go back to in 2015 when I made my first film, that was huge. That was a huge coming out of the, <laughs> coming out of the box moment for me, coming out of the shell, if you will. Uh, I really have always been thinking about how I can improve my diet. And perhaps that was because of my struggle with food. I addressed my addiction to marijuana, pornography, coffee. This is a, you know, we're talking about an eight, nine, 10 year span here. But while all this ego work was going on, like all that ego defense that my ego was putting up for me, I still pursued what I found to be meaningful. I didn't always do a good job. I didn't always follow through, but I, I was making that leap towards self-control, weightlifting, like I said, proper diet, pursuing my, my love and my craft of filmmaking, addressing my mental health issues. I can't tell you why I pursued meaning in the face of all this pain. I would say to you that if there's been a trauma in your life that's holding you back in some small way, it might be useful for you to start pursuing what you find meaningful. It could be a hobby. It could be a relationship. It could simply be getting a routine for yourself, getting out of bed in the morning, whatever that looks like. It, there's nothing more I can say besides you need to at least start taking that first step. And but what I found was that in all that work that I was doing, self-work, if you will, my ego's desire for control slowly became quenched. I turned my control from the outer world to the inner world. Suddenly I was less concerned with what people thought of me. I was less concerned with numbing the pain. I was less concerned with seeking validation from other people, being liked, being funny. When I substituted or shifted that desire to control onto myself. You know, I can't control what other people think of me and some days I do still worry about it, but I try to use it to improve myself. I don't put it up here as far as its importance in how I see myself, but I think it's still useful. I can't change the pain that I suffered, but I know now that running away from it or staying put, not challenging myself, using marijuana, using porn, overeating, those aren't real solutions. Sometimes I relapse, but I know now why. And I, I think I've learned that in my body lie the solutions and those solutions, weightlifting, walking, stretching, getting a hold of my diet, my sleep, learning to meditate, learning to take proper rest days, learning to take mindful control of my breath. It's been like coming home to my body, you know, and controlling my behavior and not just operating on autopilot, not just you know, on what feels good, not just on what feels safe. You know, because on some level, the ego sees us as an individual apart from the world, right? Like it thrives on that. It's, it's really all the ego is. It actually, the word ego comes from the Latin for I or self. It's necessary to have a healthy ego to build a better life. 
You know that you're going to have empathy, boundaries, authenticity, the ability to communicate and be criticized, the ability to solve problems. I don't see, for me at least, a world where the ego is not a part of my life. But what we're talking about is making, is giving that ego uh, a healthy restart and, and <laughs> shifting him into the back seat. You know, but at the same time, I think it was that obsession with, with myself, with the self, with the ego, all that was done to me, all that was taken from me, all the pain that was inflicted upon me, my fear, my bitterness, all of that, it led me away from acceptance. I could never accept anything if I couldn't accept that sort of initial traumatic moment. So what this step towards acceptance looks like is not just accepting yourself, but it's accepting the nature of being as it is, right? Like there's so much out of our control. There's so much we can never know. There's so much that goes on that is beyond us. And as far as I can tell, someday it's all just going to end. You know, but I guess I realized in the face of all that, that I can control myself and I can know myself, right? For all that's unknowable, for all that's out of our control, that proportionate amount can be turned inward on the self and you can exact deep, unflinching self-control and you can pursue a knowledge of the self. You know, it's, it leads to being humble, it leads to being disciplined and it leads to the belief that better is possible. But enough, enough about me. I want to wrap this up. I want to give you guys six ways that you can make this move towards acceptance in your daily life. We're going to start first by talking about how to practice acceptance in relationships. So this may be overly simple, but it, it seems to work for me. The distinction that I make is that if I can directly affect the experience or the moment, then I can. Use that ego, set some goals, plan and act. If I can't directly affect it, if I can't get my hands on it, literally, if I'm imagining the way I want things to be, if I'm imagining how I think things ought to be, even though I have no influence over them, that's an indication that it's time to let it go. Let's not forget, of course, that so much misery, so much pain uh, come from trying to control other people. And so much misery and pain comes from the inability to control our emotions. All right, so when it comes to relationships, how about three realizations that I've had? And this doesn't have to be romantic relationships. This can be with a parent, with a child, with a coworker, with a friend. Number one has to be said, you cannot change another person no matter how much you wish that they were different. Of course, the flip side here is you can empower them to know themselves as you do yourself, right? Rather than trying to get that conscious uh, or that unconscious ego-based control around a person and make them in your image or make them in some image, you have to go hands-off. You have to, you can tell them your story. You can suggest to them things that have worked for you, but you cannot change a person. Here's a big one. This is one I still struggle with. You cannot place your self-worth in the hands of another person, right? By that, I mean, you can't seek Val, it's uh, like you can't, I mean, you ought not to, I still do it all the time, but I'm speaking in a way <laughs> as if to bring a little bit of gravity to the situation. It's an unhealthy ego that needs the acceptance, the admiration of other people more than it needs its own, right? And that's a tough one because it has to come from within. And if there's nothing there, it's easy to look outside. I mean, 
This is still something I struggle with in a big way. I want to be liked. I want to be coveted. I want to be revered. I mean, we all want to be respected. As I said, I don't think it's a one or zero thing. I do think it's important to know and, and make note of when you're being looked at in one way or another and put that to use in how you see yourself. And again, those goals that you're going to set, it's like, look, if every time I go to work, I'm getting bullied or every time I go to work, no one's listening to me, that may say something about you. Maybe you need to stand up stronger. Maybe you need to work a little harder. It could be that everybody around you is an asshole, but it could also be trying to tell you something. The point being, you have to put that to work for you and you can't weight it too heavily, Patrick. Thirdly, you can't get fulfillment from a relationship, any relationship, if you're not communicating yourself fully. I, I struggle here too in a big way. You can't build a relationship through jealousy, deceit, or laziness, right? You can't control a person. You can't make a person do something. And you can't expect something from somebody that you're not giving yourself. You have to bring that healthy self-esteem to bear on a relationship. You can't expect things of another person that you're not bringing yourself. And you can't expect someone to know something about you if you haven't told them, if you haven't communicated it, and perhaps communicated it repeatedly. The ego would have us believing that, well, look at all the pain that's been done to me. Look at everything that's gone wrong with me. That person should just accept me for who I am. I shouldn't have to go into that. I don't want to go into that. Just take me for who I am. Well, I don't know about unconditional relationships. I think you could get to a place like that, but it requires a deep, deep over-communication, a sharing of that story if that's what you want with that person. You got to let that person know what's going on inside or don't be surprised when you don't see eye to eye. So what do those three things tell us? I think it tells us that control what you can control and accept that at least half of it, if not more, is out of your control. Can you be better? Can you lead? Can you support, right? If a relationship, a friendship, a partnership is failing, what can you take on? Now, you don't go the other way down the egotistical road of here we go again, failure, pain, hold up, stop. Let me just suffer. Let me not act. That's where you can start setting those goals. Look within, track those goals. Could I have been nicer to that person? Could I have listened? Could I have reciprocated? Could I have shared? Could I have led? Could I, if there was something I wanted, could I have taken us there? Can I support that person as they're struggling with their own issues? So let me ask you, can you stop wishing for someone to be what they're not? Can you stop wanting someone to have to see things your way? And can you stop expecting someone to give more than you? Those are all steps toward this acceptance. What can you control? Simply yourself. Of course, you can control yourself in such a strong and gravitational way that you can influence other people. You can influence a relationship, but you can't change a person. You can only bring your power into that relationship and see how it shakes out. All right, so when it comes to emotion, and here I think it gets really, really interesting, you can, in theory, have complete control over your emotions, but it requires practice and time, and it, you have to take on the deep responsibility of this because emotions, of course, are very powerful. So often they are happening on the level of the nervous system where you can't control it directly, but you can control it sort of indirectly. I think number one, I would say, is to anticipate triggers. I think 
when you're getting to this point of acceptance where you've been working with your ego, partnering with your ego, you're going to know now what is it that makes you mad? What is it that makes you upset? What is it that makes you sad? What is it that's going to bring on those feelings of guilt? And for me, what I found is as awful as it is sometimes, you can't suppress those feelings, right? Like I I had an incident where uh, a close, well, a, a close family member, uh, had a bit of a medical episode and it turned out not to be anything, but for, for 24 hours or so, I was, I was really worried. I knew that, I knew that it was going to affect my productivity. I knew it was going to affect my sleep, my mood, but I had to just accept it and say, look, again, I can't control this. I did all I could. I'm in contact with the family. We're going to see how this goes. I had to also go for a walk, put down my work and say, I got to feel this to heal it, as they say. I got to allow these emotions to go through me. The fear, the sadness, you know, all that goes along with with witnessing someone's health being in peril. Now, very lucky that nothing came of it. Everything's all right, but it was a great reminder that, look, I'm overcome here. I can't, I can't beat this. I can't suppress it. But I knew in the moment, okay, this is going to hurt. I got to just let it run its course. You know, you have to have that vulnerability to feel those negative emotions. And same with positive emotions. If you're suppressing the need to be happy or the need to laugh or or whatever, it's tough. It's Of course it's tough and it's not just going to come overnight, but start to realize, look, and it's through that journaling, through that goal setting, through that inner work, through that conversation with the ego that you say, I know I'm going to do this. Could I do it 1% better? Could I do it 1% less? Number two, you cannot privilege the negative value judgment, meaning something happens, it's so easy for us to look and see what it wasn't, what it's not, what it could have been, what I wish it was. I've been down this road many times in this podcast. We know, we know, we know our tendency to see things for what they're not, for what we wish they were is the source of our misery. And when it comes to the ego specifically, that negative self-talk, that harsh inner critic, that, that berating of the self, and that each time we do that, it walks us out to the ledge. And when you have that emotional explosion over something small, it's because you've been quite often, and it was for me when I was younger, you have that emotional explosion because you've been negatively whipping yourself into a frenzy for, for months, weeks on end. So it's no surprise that some small straw is going to break your back when you're loading yourself up with this negative emotionality. That's the role of the wounded ego, to remind you that you're defenseless, that you're weak, that you're sick, that you're compromised, that you're different, that you're shit, that you're nothing, that you're worthless. Time to start challenging that voice. Time to start setting some goals and saying, could I maybe do that for one hour less a week and going from there? And finally, it's worth saying here that emotions are temporary. They don't define you. They don't live in you forever. They come and they go. Anticipate when they're going to come allow that negative energy to flow, allow it to move, right? It could be breathing. It could be just <laughs> sleeping if you have to. Realize that in that intense moment where the emotion grips you, that's where that mindfulness has to come in and say, look, this is not forever. This is not a moment frozen in time, or it is. This is not forever. This is not eternity. This is not who I am. I'm not a angry person. I'm just a person feeling that anger. It exists here in the present with you. So what do we take away here? I think that this wounded ego of ours, it loves painful negative emotion because it's consistent 
with what it knows. Major trauma, major loss. That gets the ego really fired up and it says, okay, I, this is what I thought about the world. I was pretty sure that it was painful and awful and scary. And the world is out to get us and we're not really in control. If emotional control is your problem, that's exactly where step two in this process should land for you. Start writing a new chapter with the ego. Don't let that ego tell you who you are. Remember, the ego is our inner storyteller. It casts us as a character in a story, but this whole process is about stepping out, becoming the author, not just the character. Start writing that new chapter. And we do that by setting those goals. You know, you know when that emotion is going to overtake you because you've been following up in your journal. And now you need to go to where you can express that emotion properly. Make that your quest. Make that your goal to make my emotions work for me. Make my emotions felt properly, expressed properly. I don't know what that looks like for you. I would say for me, in a big way, I knew that I had to get a, a handle on depression when I was younger. I had to find ways to feel better about my body. I was able to do so. It could be that it requires a deep form of problem solving, research, trying things, testing things, whether it's diet, whether it's the way you're going to dress, whatever your depression is rooted in, you often hear it said that it can't be beat, that it's a chemical imbalance. And I'm not going to fight you on that, but I got a hold of mine through a lot of research, a lot of problem solving, and a lot of hard work and doing things that allowed me to live authentically and be who I ought to be and feel good about who I am. Make a plan for yourself. What does that look like for you? It's worth thinking about. And be ready because that negative self-talk, it comes for all of us. Just tell your ego, look, I know what you're doing. I get why you're doing it. I don't need this. I don't need this voice in this next chapter. Over time, the ego can be rewired. It can be trained. It can be minimized or it can be strengthened and put to work outside. Remember, the ego wants to assert itself. It wants to set boundaries. It wants to have self-esteem. It wants to solve problems. So it can be done for the better. Remember this. Your emotions are like lightning. They move through you on their way to the ground. They don't define you. And the healthier your ego, the easier that that moving, that flowing can happen in all ways. I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening and for watching this four-part series on healing the ego. I hope it helps. It certainly helped me. I realize I've still got a lot of work to do, but I see the steps. I see the plan in action. And uh, it's been a joy to, to bring this information out to the world for whoever is there to consume it. I thank you for putting your time into this show. Please, by all means, get in touch, as you know, through Facebook, through Instagram. I would love to have a conversation with you and see how your journey is going. Well, I suppose that's all I've got for you. Until we speak again, please remember, better is possible.